Hey everybody, it's Dave here and Darren over there for another day of Two Old Bloggers. And in this episode, we're looking at three topics, three themes like we normally do. This one, we're talking about the competitive rebuild. What does it all mean? And of course, it started out with the Kirk Cousins extension, because without that, some of these things couldn't have been done. Then we roll into Vikings free agency so far. What is the, what is the team done? How's it look? Where we're going? And then we'll wrap up talking about the Dixie trade. Who won that trade? Was it good for both teams? Hey, the Vikings have come out better. You'll find out right after the roll. Welcome to Two Old Bloggers, home of news and commentary for your Minnesota Vikings. Hey everybody, it's Dave here again, Darren over there. We are the Two Old Bloggers. If you ever wanted to know why that roll in is as long as it is, one, it may be a little bit too long, but it's there so people like yourselves can gather together and get together and watch. It also shows some of the blogs that both Darren and I used to blog for um, back in the past. And it shows off some of my artwork. So I always like to do that. Anyways, Darren, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, Dave. I've uh, got uh, COVID. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh, I came back from my vacation. That was my vacation present um, in isolation and uh, not feeling 100%, but as they say in the sports world, gutting it out today to talk Vikings. That's awesome. All right. Let's do the just that. Uh, I love that everybody's here so far. We are going to try to explain what competitive Rebuild means, as Quasi explained it earlier this week. Now, it all started out with this guy. Good old Kirky. <laughs> yep. Uh, Kirk wanted to do a... <laughs> it took his extension to do such... Everybody's wishing you hope you get better soon. And I want that to come from the bottom and not from the top. Boom. That should do it. Um, That's different. And we'll try this again. From bottom. Dave working out the The technical issue, and I still don't think I have it. Um. Oh, loving the graphics. We got a lot more. We got a lot more. Well, Kirk Cousins, it was, we go into this free agency, we were behind the cap. We had to get under, and we had to get under, and we had to get under, and it took a few moves right before the um, new league, started the new league. And why is this not allowing me to do that? Boom. Let's go this way, you schmuck. Um, canceled. <laughs> um, of, it took a few moves to get under the cap, and that didn't uh, save chances, save chances, save chances. 
Sorry for the technical difficulties, everybody. This is not working out the way we want it to. This is weird. Um, First time this has ever happened. Yes, and it must be the new beta is causing this. But we'll find out. I'll move it back up to the top if I have to. Um, it took um, a few moves beforehand to get underneath the cap so we could start making moves. We did do that. We got underneath the cap, and they started making moves. We still hadn't done any extensions yet on uh, Kirk. Uh, Kirk took a while. So it was, eh, everybody was a little frustrated as some of the top names went off the board. We didn't have the money. But during that week, we eventually get the extension. And the extension, in my opinion, was a good one financially. These two guys drove it. Um, it was a good one financially. And I could show you the numbers real quick. Here are the numbers. He actually, his and his agent, you know, before then was talking about, we want $45 million per year annual. Blah, 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 blah. Yada, yada. And if we hadn't given him, done anything, he would have gotten $45 million. Obviously, supposedly he was on the trade block. Virtually all the big money veterans were on the trade block. He ended up signing a one-year, $35 million extension, right? We have him this year, next year, for a total of $70,000. He takes home 40 this year and 30 next, which just shocked me. That's a pay cut to stay in Minnesota. And I never thought I would see Kirk Cousins take a pay cut to stay in Minnesota. But he took a pay cut. That freed up a bunch of money and started the ball rolling on other free agent signings that we'll get into the second part. But what did you think of the Kirk Cousins extension? Dave, well, our last show two weeks ago, we we dealt with the, the quarterback situation and what things were looking like then when both you and I had said, well, we want, we really want the Vikings to move on from cousins. It's about, we, we want to get rid of like what I was talking about the third pillar of the, of the temple of gloom and cousins is it. We'd gotten rid of Zimmer. We'd gotten rid of Spielman. Uh, and, uh, it was time to move on from cousins, but it was also reading the tea leaves. It was looking pretty much like that wasn't going to happen. The Vikings were going to come back with cousins and it was just a matter of whether, it was going to be the one-year, let them play out the one-year deal, or they're going to extend them. Um, that, again, you and I are on record about what we preferred. It was not to keep Cousins around. But we don't run, make the football decisions. And <laughs> Quasey and O'Connell are the guys coaching and, and running the team. And I think, really, even though I'm not super jazzed about it because – we know, you know, we know what Kirk Cousins is. We know what he can do. We know what he can't do. That's, I think, that's pretty clear. But still, you know, I'm not a, an elite football mind. I've never coached or anything like that. I haven't run any football teams. Quasi and, and O'Connell, I think they looked at it this way: if you're, uh, you're, you know, if in your first year as running the show as a general manager and head coaching and as a head coach, do you want to go in there with? 
uh, either a, a retread bridge guy or rookie that you're very uncertain about what the baseline play is, or do you want to go with an established guy? I think they looked at Cousins and said, look, you can pencil him in for 4,000 passing yards plus a year, 28 to 32 touchdowns per year, probably sub 10 interceptions. He's going to throw complete 67 to 68% of his passes. That's pretty much guaranteed if he plays 16, 17 games. I think that they felt that with that baseline of play, the fact that and O'Connell feels that in a new system with a new direction and playing to Kirk's strengths, uh, that he can get more, and Quasey felt that they could get more out of Cousins this year and probably next than Jay Gruden got out of him in Washington and that Zimmer got out of him in when he was in at Minnesota. And I think that was the key thing. I don't think that they were very jazzed about the bridge options out there, whether it was trading for getting Baker Mayfield or bringing in somebody like Teddy Bridgewater or that old chestnut everybody keeps on bringing up about. Bring Case Keenum back. Trade trade for him. You know, Run him back. It's 2017 all over again. Well, it ain't 2017 all over again. I don't think that they thought it doesn't. I don't think they felt that great about the this class of quarterbacks right now. So they they. they they decided to bite the bullet, extend Cousins, get that pit to allow them to do other things, and they've got they they've got their most important position. They got locked down. Uh, they know what they're going to get from him if they improve the defense, improve the keep the the weapons that they've got with Cousins with a new offensive system that they can do. They can elevate this team. They can elevate Cousins' play. Help him. Help the Vikings and. Per, have a better team and a better uh, a better team that goes makes the playoffs goes farther in the playoffs than they have had, and and I think that is the gamble they they have made. And I think you you know uh, whether you and I again disagree with that a little bit, wish they'd win another way, but I think that that's a reasonable gamble for the Vikings to make. And I think that is what has happened here. Uh, I also think that a lot of the hand wringing early on about the Vikings free agency moves has really been colored a lot by a lot of Vikings fans dislike for cousins and their dislike that he got extended. And really that's been overwhelming the, the feeling about why Quasey has had a terrible first couple of weeks in free agency, or I think really was the first week that was the, well, was the first week uh, because a bunch of big names went off the board while yeah. everybody was, dickering around as to do we extend him do we not extend him how much money do the vikings have and they were only a couple million under the cap at that time you know and the whole idea of there goes another one there goes another one there goes another one yeah i do believe though like i said before i think the extension and the cost they got him for is he's getting paid his value and he's not being overpaid for a quarterback that runs in the 15 to 10-ish range, the cost at 35 mil right now seems about right to me. And it what it did, the big thing, the big thing it did is in that center column. If he would have played for the 45 million base, he would have taken, I think it was like 22% or more of yep. the team's salary cap. With this extension, that drops down to 15%. Now, granted, no quarterback has made over 13, 13.1 or whatever percent of the cap and made the Super Bowl, but it's down to 15. That's a manageable spot. 
Next year, it's 16.1. And then in his void year, we pay another 4.9. But hopefully, most likely, we'll probably have that rookie on his rookie deal at that time. That'll eat up part of that advantage. But it's workable. It was not workable prior to the extension. And I agree with you. If you assess what's going on, is there any quarterbacks in this year's draft that can step up, play straight off the get-go? Or if are there any quarterbacks out there that could come in and play well enough to remain competitive, a directive by Mark Wilf at the very beginning, was there anything available? And I think their decision was, no, nobody blew us away with a deal for him, and no, we don't see anybody else. So they talked turkey, and they actually got him for less than I thought they would, which I applaud them on that. Got that, Drew? Me yeah. saying something nice. Um, it, it just I, blew my yeah, mind. And, and I, you, you, it's a, that's a great point about, what the extension uh, has resulted in as far as uh, Kirk's cap hit and, and what he's getting paid. And, and when you look at the, some of the compensation, that's uh, you know, some of the big deals that have been happening in the NFL, particularly on the quarterback situation, when you look at the compensation that the Broncos paid mm-hmm. for Russell Wilson, what the Browns just shelled out and are paying Deshaun Watson, when you don't even know, <laughs> he could get suspended <laughs> you know, at some point in time, right? Like, uh, uh-huh. so the, the the extension, I think, is it's 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 a it's a reasonable gamble. Uh, there was a comment there about whether the Vikings ownership, I believe, it was, uh, are, you know, are they willing to deal with mediocrity and then relevance and to, you know, and still get meat mm-hmm. in the seats? Uh, I, you know, I. We feel about things one way, but I, I, I think that again, I think Quasi Adolfo Mensa, Kevin O'Connell believe, fair, you know, pretty strongly that uh, they aren't going to be mediocre, uh, and they are going to be relevant with Kirk Cousins playing in this offensive system uh, with an improved defense, which did improve in the past week. Uh, you know, I think uh, uh, pretty significantly with just even the two moves that we're going to talk about in a little while. Well, the mediocrity uh, yeah. comes from his record. Yes, um, yes. And as Phil Mackey wrote here, out of all the top 15 top all-time top passing quarterbacks, he's number five. But yet he's the only one that has a an even or a losing record. So, But yeah, what is interesting, and, uh, Deshaun Watson is close. Um, but that's what it is. And, and that's it, what drove like I said, this. Beautiful piece of artwork. Yeah, no. It, they got the internet fired I, up when I posted it. Oh, as well it should. It's good to get the internet fired up. Not hard to do sometimes either. But uh, I think I, I said two weeks ago, like I think Kevin O'Connell, Quasi Adolfo Menso, they're looking right at what happened with Matt Stafford with the LA Rams. A guy that, uh, you know, a great talent, uh, considered a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins, but really record-wise, He's probably worse. Uh, and uh, a guy that had only been to the playoffs once, hadn't won a playoff game, uh, doubts about whether he could elevate his, uh, his t- whether he elevated his teammates in Detroit, even though the teams are pretty much always terrible there. And he gets to L.A., much better roster, mind you, much more support, both defensively and offensively, wins a Super Bowl. I really, I think that they look at that blueprint and think that they can repeat it or come close. 
with Kirk Cousins. And if it doesn't work this year, again, they're not tied to him for too long. And this gives them a year or two to find the quarterback of the future that we all want to find. And I, and I do believe it was a good move. Um, I agree with that. I, I mean, even as much as I throw QB wins and losses up there, and I do believe QB wins and losses are a stat. Are they telling? They can be, especially in the end, but just like interceptions. Interceptions is a QB stat. Is it because of the QB? Sometimes. Is it not because of the QB? Sometimes. QB wins and QB losses are the same way. They go both directions. I wanted to bring up Jonathan's uh, uh, post here, comment. At least these two years will be fun to watch. I believe that will be the case, and that will be the case because we have an offensive-minded head coach that is uh, a lot more aggressive on the offensive side of the ball than Mike Zimmer was. You know, if Mike Zimmer could have matched his aggressiveness on the defensive side to the offensive side, we'd be talking about Super Bowl champs, but he never could. There was never that separation. So I look forward to seeing what Kevin O'Connell can do with Kirk Cousins over the next two years. And it may be that, you know, Kirk starts this year and then next year we draft a quarterback of the future and then Kirk mentors, whether he likes to or not, that quarterback or whatever it happens. But this year in particular, 2022, the season, I'm looking forward to seeing where he can take this offense. And it's also where where some of those other players can take this offense too that maybe were not utilized as well as they could have. Irv Smith being one of those one of those players, uh, and maybe even with Dalvin Cook, a less is more approach where mm-hmm. you're not running him into the ground, but uh, you're getting just as good or better or just as good production and making use of some of your other assets a little bit more. You know, maybe KJ Osborne, maybe he's ready to take that mm-hmm. another, yet another step up in, in caliber. JJ, you know, Justin Jefferson, is he going to be like, like and I we'll said, I think 125, that. 125 catches, 130 mm-hmm. catches could could be in play for him. Yep, and we'll get into that. Um, yes, Steve, from a intangible point and score grade point, Watson is better than Cousins. I agree, but Watson is also what seems to be a dirt bag, even though he has not been convicted of anything yet. However, he is bringing that circus show to Cleveland, and we'll see how he does. It's I'm okay that we didn't trade away the farm for Watson because I thought that trade. Was I I got a feeling that 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 Cleveland trade is going to be a a uh, shitstorm. It may eventually. be. Now, let's get into the rest. We talked about how Kirk his extension was. The basic, the trigger of allowing us to sign players. We signed a couple before, but it wasn't, you know, anything big. We started off with the Smith and Thielen and the restructure. That's what got us under the cap for the league new year. We had to do that. That has happened. The restructure on Adam Thielen is he's going to be making less money and he gets a a void year added. But I think this is going to be, he's going to finish out his career. We want both of these guys. Everybody loves both of these guys. I want them to see him finish out as Vikings. 
and that may happen. So did the team give a whole bunch, you know, of people above 30 extra money or extensions and stuff? Reworks, restructures, yes. And if you are in the mood of tear it all down, that's not happening. This is some of what the old regime did. So we'll see how it goes. But especially for these two, I think everybody likes the fact because these two are so well liked. Um, and still playing at a at a you know I think a, at a high, high level. Yeah, very high level. When and. And uh, the, the only issue with Thielen is uh, lately has been health, and with with Hitman, he's been very durable his whole career. So, mm-hmm. but they're at the age now where getting nicked up and missing time tends to happen more than it did in their mid twenties. But we'll see on that one. Right, as well. and it takes longer to recover, as we know, as mm-hmm. we age. Um, yeah, you talk about a couple misses. You talked about Corbett and Bates. Yeah, well. Um, at during free agency, talking about a little bit earlier, it, it seems like every maybe my memory in the past several years of Vikings free agency is that free agency starts, Vikings fans everywhere are like wringing their hands about oh they signed this guy and the Vikings didn't get that guy and what are they doing and they're not doing anything and and that happens every year and I'm not going to say it's frustrating but it's predictable and and I think you, you, you got to be patient and one of the issues was that a did we really expect the vikings to be all that active in free agency <laughs> excuse me considering the the cap situation they had uh no uh and they went after some guys austin corbett up there uh ryan bates was another guy and because of their cap situation they lost out on that on some of those guys because some other teams brought better offers but i always feel that you in free agency, especially early on the first wave, you're always overpaying. You don't usually get very good value for your money. And it's almost I, I really always feel that you you know, if you've done your, your roster building correctly, if you've drafted well, if you develop guys well, you only really need to sign maybe one or two key guys every free agency and sometimes maybe not even that. So I'm not really I don't think that Super Bowls are won in March. And last year, on this time, my Miami Dolphins signed about 25 free agents. They didn't make the playoffs. This year, oh, the Jaguars signed about, yeah. Yeah, signed about 25 free agents, and they're probably going to sign more. They're not making the playoffs either, I'm betting. Uh, but right now, they've won free agency. They've improved their team. So I don't believe that. And I think <clears> that, Well, you don't I, believe the Super Bowl is won in March. I agree it's not won in March. I do believe that key elements can be added in March, however, um, that help build that Super Bowl roster. Take, for example, the Rams last year. They obviously did that, and it took them to the Super Bowl, and they won. You've got to be able to do – it's a combination of you want to hit on your draft picks, you want to grow within, and then you want to manage your people properly, and then – Where's, you know, the unexpected or whatever, or the, you know, we could improve just a bit here. You want to find that guy in free agents, in free agency. I would like to find the ones coming off their first contracts that have lots of promise. That way they can build up. We'll get to one of those just momentarily. 
But the biggest splash move we've made so far is this guy. <laughs> Zedarius Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big, big splash. Uh, had been rumored at the beginning of free agency that uh, the Vikings would be targeting him. Apparently, he had, uh, had verbally agreed, though, to, to sign back with his old team, his original team, the Ravens. Then he had second thoughts when he saw some of the um, deals that have been signed, like guys like Von Miller, Chandler Jones, and said, hey, uh, I think I can make better than what they're offering. And he gambled, reneged on his verbal agreement, jumped back in the market, and he ended up getting a little bit better deal with the Vikings. Uh, but this is a good deal for, for Smith. But also, I think a very good deal for the Vikings. If you're a Vikings fan, and everybody on here probably is, you know what, particularly in 2019, what Smith did to the Vikings on you know the two mm-hmm. times he played. Uh, he lived in our backfield, uh, and he's always been um, a high-performing guy, uh, a guy who's used to playing in the three-four, which Ed Donatello will be running as as his base. Uh, and a guy who uh, likes to play kind of a rover position. I think that uh, Donatello has got to be pretty excited about what he can do with Zadarius Smith. And Zadarius Smith also gets to come back to Minnesota and work with two guys, coaches he knows very well, Mike Petten and Mike Smith, who's the, you know, the linebackers coach for the Vikings. And he spoke very highly about uh, both Smith and Petten in his in his introductory pressers um, this week. So Smith is a a top pass rusher when healthy. I don't think last year's back issue that isn't going to be an issue this year. It's been resolved. And if you, the fact that they Vikings signed him huge deal for the Vikings, because we were wondering that we felt that edge rush, rusher edge rusher was an issue for the Vikings, especially if they were going to trade away Daniel Hunter, you got his p- photo up there now, Dave, and we know that the Vikings decided to to take on the the, the guaranteed money for Daniel Hunter. The roster bonus and then turn it into the signing bonus. bonus to free up a bunch more space. From last thing I heard, I think we have like $17 million available underneath the cap right now because of that move and how Rob Brzezinski, the genius in the front office, um, made Zedarius's contract where it's only like 3.9 million against the cap this year. And then it jumps up to, I think 20 and 20, something like that. Um, 20 and 22, somewhere in there, but it's really, really team friendly. And it could actually be a one year deal. If he doesn't pan out, I think he will. Um, but I think uh, both of these guys are happy. And when you put them together, oh, my God, this is going to be fun to watch. It was two years ago, three years ago, 2019. If you count up their pressures total, they had over 200. Like I've said on previous shows, if a an edge gets 50 pressures a season, he's a good edge. These guys were over 100 a piece. And now you've got both of them as bookends. They're going to make life miserable for some quarterbacks in this league this season. That, as long as they stay healthy, this is... I can deal with the guys in the middle being more run-stuffer types. This is going to cause some problems, and it's going to help our lack of quality and depth in the secondary. So I think I think this move is brilliant. I like it. 
I don't like the fact that he played for the Cheesers, but he's now with the Vikings wearing purple, so I'm going to root for him. Not the first Cheeser to come to the Vikings either. And play well. Uh, <laughs> and, and play well. And like you I said, could, uh, I Dave, can think of a few of them. Dave and, uh, and as uh, Drew Bunting's uh, partner on their Vikings report show, Ted Glover was saying in their show this week, because I was listening to a bit of it this morning, is that, uh, you know, sacks are one thing, but the pressures, as you mentioned too, are another. And if you're consistently getting pressure on the opposing quarterback, you're forcing them off his spot, you're forcing him to move around, you're forcing him to throw under duress, throw earlier than he wants to, throw maybe in an arm position that he doesn't want to. And it all adds up to less accurate passes, rush passes, more opportunities to make plays on the ball for your linebackers and, and, and cornerbacks and safeties. There's a lot of things that just pressures do uh, that uh, even if you don't get the sack can really benefit a defense. And like you said, these guys are some of the best in the league at pressures and I've got no, no issues, uh, worries about injuries with these two, because what are the odds that Daniel Hunter is going to have a third significant injury in a row and Zadarius uh, Smith is going to have a second significant injury in a row that forces him to miss a lot of games. I don't think it's happening, and I think, like you say, they're going to be hell on wheels for opposing teams as far as when it comes to defending them or, or trying to nullify their pass rush. I, I, I think it's. I think this is an instant improvement in the defense, and it moved. Uh, PFF does. Uh, has your team improved or dis- not improved during? free agency and they have numbers we were on that we hadn't improved yet uh side of it this moved us into the plus side i do think it greatly improved the defense and it sets the tone and i look forward to it and yes green bay is paying 11 point something million in dead cap form which is you know three times what we're paying in cap which is all the more joyous warms the heart because of their decision. C-wise, yet yeah, Kirk's do the money. He's going to get the money, but it's spread out cap-wise. So I am not worried about it. And it gives the Vikings an escape when he'll be 36 years old. So um, both of these guys are still in their primes. You have Zedarius uh, will be 30, I think, this year. Um, he will be, yes. Um but I think in like no October or November. Right. And uh, and Daniil Hunter doesn't turn 28 until October. Right. So there and defensive ends play generally into their primes usually last until their mid low 30s, 31, 32, 33, 34. Um they play 35. Look at Von Miller for an example. Yeah. Those guys can do it uh for a while, so this is a good Signing. Next, I talked about getting young guys off their first contracts. This is one. Harrison Phillips from the Bills. He replaced Michael Pierce. I thought Michael Pierce could do a great job, but uh, Michael Pierce did not want to take the pay cut and necessarily play for, I want to say, Petten. (laughs) It's not that he played, hadn't played in a 3-4 before, and we're only talking maybe shifting half half a gap. That's Michael Pierce could have easily done it. I think it was a matter of pay and whether he wanted to play or not, and he took the option to leave and go back to Baltimore. 
We pick up Harrison Phillips at about half the price. He's uh, great. Younger. Are decent. He's younger. He's developing. I remember, linemen don't develop until third, fourth year. And they may not come into their primes until five, sixth, or seventh year. You know, later, they're upper 20s just by the position. And he is prime to be that run stuffer in the middle. Uh, I suspect he'll play the nose position. However, Dalvin Tomlinson can play it, and they can move around. I think they have tons of options. Armin Watts could play it if he has to. Yeah. It's It gives all sorts of flexibility that I'm looking for Donatel to work with and uh, see what these guys can do. The, uh, yeah, Harrison Phillips, the... Uh, like you were saying, uh, Dave, uh, he is, <clears throat> I like the signing, reasonable money, again, guy coming off his first contract, so he's young. He plays a position of need for us, which was an in- interior uh, lineman position. Also, his run uh, his run uh, defense grades were pretty good last year with the Bills, and he also has pass rushing ability too. Um, he'll be playing a bit more than he was with Buffalo, I suspect, where they really like to rotate they're all of their linemen and rotated heavily. Uh, probably another reason why he came here is because he's going to get more snaps, uh, at least in theory. So, so really like this signing. I think it's a it's one of those uh, ones where we have a real great potential of getting good value for money here because we didn't pay, we didn't sign a guy to a three year sixty million dollar contract, right. and and who for a guy who's twenty nine, thirty or thirty one years old and is on the downside. G-Mac so really was like right. That. He's supposedly one of the strongest guys in the league, too. Yep. And, uh, and I, I think that because of because of Phillips, uh, Drew had asked about uh, going to a 3-4, whether we you can see us focusing on the nose in the draft. I think getting Phillips, the fact that you said we have some other options, Tomlinson can play the nose, Armand Watts, who, although I think Armand, Armand is more of a pass rusher guy than a run, right. than a, than a run stopper. Than a pure uh, but, nose guard. Then a pure nose guard. And Jerry I think Paul, still with, Pat type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I still think with our issues at corner, uh, still at least at this point, I, I really kind of see somebody like, uh, I don't know if we're going to get Sauce Gardner or Stingley, but certainly somebody like Trent McDuff, like McDuffie from Washington, a cornerback. I think I really think that's what, if we stay at 12, I really feel that that's where we're going. But we'll see. Raymond uh, mentioned his nickname of Horrible Harry. And uh, that comes from the childhood books, which I think is fine. Our second free agent signing was this individual, Jordan Hicks, linebacker. He's a 30-year-old, decent linebacker from the Cardinals. What was your thought on this move? You know, I, I thought it was a, a pretty solid move, right? really. The, the Smith move, Phillips and Hicks have been the big free agency signings for the Vikings I believe, and and like I said, Hicks it doesn't fit the uh, guy off the first contract that we want to see a young ascending player. He's but he's an experienced player. But uh, you look at his production, you look at uh, at with the Cardinals the past few years, he produced. Uh, I think he had four sacks last year, four ints, and um, a guy who's been healthy and been able to answer the bell in all the games. What I really like about Hicks 
the Hicks, the Zadarius Smith signing, and the Harrison Phillips signing, just all, along with the fact that they fill positions of need and they're pretty good players. But what really impressed me, Dave, when I listened to their intro pressers is that these guys are cerebral football players. They are highly intelligent football players, and they get the they get the the we is more important than the me in football. And mm-hmm. that is the culture that that Quasi Adolfo Mensa from day one and Kevin O'Connell from day one as being named head coach. That is the culture they said they wanted to have in Minnesota and what they were going to build in Minnesota. So that is along with their their football talents, I like the fact that these guys are team players, that they are willing to looking to do whatever they can to help their teammates and do whatever they can to help their make their team better on and off the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like Hicks, Hicks to me, I was very, very impressed with his press conference and what he had to say and how he talked about football. Very, very impressed. I, I, I've never really heard him speak at all before because he hasn't played on teams that I follow, but uh, he really impressed me. Well, I, I, they both impressed me. They gave good press conferences for both of them. They were personable. They spoke well. Uh, they didn't shy in front of the lights, in front of asking questions. They very animated, looked at the people. I, I think personalities shone through. And th- they gave us somebody to like. Um, and that's important, you know, from a fan's point of view. I think that's a good deal. And they, I agree I with think- you. They're, they seem quite intelligent, both of them. So I think that's... Yeah, and and I said it before. I think that the the Vikings have actually been. We haven't mentioned them all yet, but uh, yet, but the the Vikings have been a little, a bit more active in free agency than I was anticipating. And uh, the reason they've been able to do that is, like you said, they made the moves with extensions with Cousins and and reworking contracts of of Harrison Smith and Adam Thielen allowed them to do those things, along with the, the cutting of Pierce, which saved a little bit of coin as well. Right. Well, that leads on to. Your favorite, uh, Klosterman, uh, <laughs> Austin Schlotman, signed by, uh, he's a offensive lineman, interior offensive guy, signed from the Broncos. Let me warn you as fans, don't get your hopes up. This is just a depth guy. He might even, there's, I don't remember if there was any guarantees. If they were, they were small. This is just a body and just a depth guy. Um, who uh, the new new O line coach, uh, coach Chris Cooper is familiar mm-hmm. with from his time in Denver, so he um, may work out, and, and he's yeah. coming off that first contract type deal, so he still may be stepping up. But I'm just saying, don't pin your hopes on this kid. Just like don't pin your hopes on um, whoever we had playing right guard, because we don't know. Uh, Schlotman can't be worse than Dozier. He had worse scores than Dozier. <laughs> That's why I say you don't go. get your hopes up. Anything, never say it cannot be worse than what we had because we are Vikings fans. It can always get worse. Um, I don't think it will. I think he's, like I said, I think he's depth. Okay, so he's depth. Speaking of depth, we also took this kid from the Rams. Johnny Munt, tight end. Whether he falls into the number two slot, I don't know. It's possible. Or we may target one in the draft. 
I don't know where they're going for the tight end too. Well, yeah, I did. I I think that Johnny Munt is uh, your your basically easier your Red Ellison, David Morgan kind of guy. Uh, he's always been a blocking tight end. Never caught a whole lot of passes in his career. Uh, and uh, I talked about him potentially being a Vikings. Um, target when we talked tight ends a few weeks ago because again he'd worked into the system with kevin o'connell for the past two years wes phillips is the new oc was the tight end coach in, in los angeles and knew month very well month was coming off a knee injury last year didn't play much uh so and the, didn't look like the rams were he was a free agent didn't look like the rams were, were bringing him back i kind of thought that he might be a target and he has become a target and he is now a viking and yeah uh, like it was just said, he's here to block. He's not here to catch passes. And there's always, um, in the NFL, uh, there's always a need for a, a, a blocking tight end who doesn't expect to get the ball. Irv Smith is going to be the guy that gets the ball at the tight right. end. And, and, and we the also have Ellison, are, I, who is a blocking tight end as well. I think the only non-blocking yeah. tight end we have is Davidson. And Davidson. He, and he barely got any play. Um Yesterday, we signed our nickel, starting nickel cornerback, because we needed one. Uh, we signed this kid, Chandran Sullivan, nicknamed Sully. Uh, he, when you look at his grades, you go, eh. But believe it or not, he was the 10th ranked nickel corner by PFF. Whereas Mac Alexander was towards the bottom. So this is an improvement. And like I said, I like guys coming off their first contracts. This kid's coming off his first contract. He's got things to prove. I think this is a good signing. Yeah, it's a, again, uh, I think we'll see. Sullivan's not a superstar, but uh, if he was, you would have been paying a, a lot more for him. <laughs> you, Vikings probably wouldn't have got him. I, I think he fills a need against uh, probably going to be our slot corner as the season goes. Uh, Mike Pettin would be familiar with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, would, so would Mike Smith. And um, you said his grades weren't super duper. But but they weren't bad. Uh, they he, were around 60. They weren't. Yeah. Upper 50s uh, and 60s. And he, he, he he played last year in the three four in in Green Bay the past few years and uh, that last year that was a pretty good defense uh, and he got significant playing time in that defense whereas the guys other than that are on the Vikings roster right now other than Cam Dantzler Harrison Hand Perry Nickerson and Chris Boyd uh, couldn't couldn't get on the field uh, mm-hmm. with with the defense that was terrible. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not expecting that Sullivan's going to be, uh, um, you know, Jalen Ramsey or anything. But is he an upgrade over what we have now? Yes. And was the price right? Yes. And again, a young player who could get better. Uh, here was a guy that coming out into the draft when I think he was 2017, he got drafted. Uh, he was considered either a seventh rounder or an undrafted uh, rookie free agent. He, and and uh, so he's over i think he's exceeded expectations coming out of college and there's room to grow uh in this new defense and and uh again uh, not expecting them to set the world on fire but we needed some veteran depth he provides that and uh, and the signing of him does not uh rule out the vikings drafting one or maybe even two corners in the in the april Correct. draft either mm-hmm. and as, as it looks right now 
it's looking like the first round draft choice will be a corner. It all depends who the falls one, to number 12, where we sit, and who's available. The one thing that um, I was wondering about Sullivan, because when I was looking at his college scouting reports, because remember when Donatel did his introductory mm-hmm. presser, uh, I might be getting the paraphrasing him in, a little bit incorrectly, but he talked specifically about he'd be looking for corners who played man-to-man. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I... I haven't, I didn't see any of uh, Sullivan's scouting reports, whether that was something he did well or not. Um, maybe he doesn't do anything particularly fantastic, which is He's why he had the grades hawk. he did. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and we could use some of those too, because uh, we our corners were not uh, very ball hawkish the past two years. Uh, but I, th- I think it's an improvement. I have no problem with this signing. I think it's a good one. Now, on to the next free agency moves, we re-signed and tendered four uh, of our special teams, Joseph and Barry. We re-signed Barry and tendered Joseph and locked those guys in. I have no problem with that. I think it is a good deal. I think we both got them under what their OTC valuations were on top of that. So we have the main three guys, these two kickers, and our long snapper back. We have Wang Wu as our kick returner, and the punt returner is the only one in question. And we'll see how that works out during camp, because I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of people vying to settle in at that spot. And yes, kickers are people too. They score about a third of the points, believe it or not. And uh, they are key in the field uh, position game. You don't want the punter to punt, if at all, but when you do, you want him to be able to place it inside the 20, preferably coffee corners, and you want the kicker to kick out, kick through the end zone, or kick tons of field goals and extra points. Very, very important. All right. Uh, Is Minnesota Miracle or the Vikings going to draft and plug in a center? I don't no, that is a good question. Um, I have seen, <clears throat> I, I did see some uh, mocking that was saying that L- Linderbaum from Iowa might be a, uh, a Vikings target, but I can't see it at 12. I really can't. I can't see it at 12, and he's actually smaller than Bradbury. I know Drew says he's better. That may be the case, but it just seems wrong. <laughs> but it's up to these two fine gentlemen. And that wraps wraps up for now the free agency moves the Vikings have made. However, the latest news is that uh, Erwin V asked Doogie if he's heard anything. He says, look for a signing early next week. Chris Vogel, I have a clue who that is, said it may be another corner. We shall see. Yes, too evil to hope. Uh, Bradbury's a massive first-round miss. And Skull, so far. TYA, yes, so far. His arms are shorter. Mateo, yep. Yeah, so, a few comments a few comments there about uh, J.C. Treader, and uh, I'd love to get him. I just don't know uh, what, you know, again, it's all about 
is the price going to be right? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't even know. I don't know if the Vikings have uh, reached out to him. You would think if they have been pursuing him, you would have seen some tweets and rumors about that by this point. But uh, uh, yeah, Treader's still on the market. Um, don't know why a guy that that uh, who's that, that good? good would be uh, would be uh, unless there's concerns about his injury history. There's but, concerns uh, about his knees. Uh, from everything I'm hearing, seeing online, his knees are shot. He's had knee surgery. <laughs> kind of a in the problem. Past. It could be like in the Anthony Barr type deal where he's got degenerative knees. And last year, even though he scored well and was outstanding at pass blocking, uh, he didn't practice a lot during the week because they kept giving his knees rest. So it could and be he that. Was on the in- yeah, he was on the injury report every week. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. that may be the reason, or that may be the Monday signing. We don't know. I we're just speculating here. Before we get into the final segment, I want to mention Lake Monster Brewing. Yeah, folks, they make fantastic beers, and if you're in the Twin Cities area, they're based out of St. Paul. They are a microbrewery. They have great food with uh, their food trucks, and they have partnered with Climbing the Pocket. And we did Wednesday on Vikings Happy Hour, we did our first live show from the brewery. Coming up this next Wednesday, we're doing another one as we tweak our equipment and get everything better and better, both in the brewery and for you on video, to uh, in the run-up to the draft where we're going to have day two of the draft live from the brewery. Tons of free giveaways, tons of, I'm assuming some of those free giveaways is either uh, uh, they were just giving away some, uh, uh, what do they call them, coupons, right? You get a $50 coupon there at Lake Monster. That's $50 worth of beer, people. Hey, I can appreciate that. You know me. Um, And I love their beers. Dave about one hour to drink the $50. <laughs> it take me a little bit longer than that, but I do appreciate it very much. And it's fun. People are great. You build great memories. You have a great time. It's, you can't beat that. And fantastic beer. And again, the live show will be on day two from the brewery itself. Everybody's invited to be there. Uh, getting back to, can we take Bradbury's knees and give him the treader? That would be a good idea if we could. We need to sign somebody at center. GMAC, you're speaking of a choir. We don't know how it's going to go on. Maybe they have some magic elixir that's going to make him so he doesn't get forklifted back. I don't know. I mean, I like Bradbury when it comes to run blocking. It's just pass blocking I have issues with. Um, competitive rebuild to put together a team in 22, but actually that are bad resulting in 23 top five. No, that's not going to happen. They are trying to, and I should have brought this up before, in the competitive rebuild, they want to stay relevant. They want to be fighting for a playoff position. And that means extending some of the older guys, freeing up money, being as strong as possible at possibly at the expense of draft position next year 
so that they can keep butts in the seats and grow this. They think they can do it. I think they, believe it or not, I believe they can do it. Would I have liked to have seen a, a more different approach? Because I think this is the same approach the previous administration took the last two years. But I would, I think it can be done if it's pulled off right. Let's see if these new folks in Kwesi and Kevin O'Connell can pull this off. Uh, Denver's asked for, I think, the third time, who's the starting three on the interior defensive line? It's at least twice. I saw Denver. You've got uh, Dalvin Tomlinson. You have Phillips are the two main ones. Uh, The third one, I think, is going to be a rotational. Probably Armand Watts could be Willikies. We'll get to Willikies shortly. It depends on the situation. If they go to two in the middle and go to the traditional 4-3, uh, it, it's going to be a rotation depending on situ- game situation, uh, whether they want pass rushing or run blocking as their primary, and we shall see. We know the two edges, whether it be defensive end slash outside linebacker, depending on the formation, are going to be Hunter and Smith. But I did see your comment, Denver. Yes, I did. Uh Yes, I agree with GMAC. We'll never pick top five unless it's a trade there. Wolves don't want that. And can you blame them? I can't blame them. So that moves into our final segment of the show, Um, the Diggs trade. We're going to revisit the Diggs trade. Oops, I didn't want to post that one yet. Um, Diggsy, two years ago, the Vikings traded Stefan Diggs to the Buffalo Bills. Got a bunch of picks back. We know that the biggest deal from that is we drafted Justin Jefferson. What do you think of the Diggs trade? Yeah, yes, David. No, normally, uh, <clears throat> this week I was supposed to be uh, talking about rounding up our positional uh, round, rounding or, or finishing the positional roundup that we've been doing and focusing on special teams, but I decided to delay it because we last on March the 16th, we had reached a fairly important anniversary uh, for Vi- recent Vikings history and in, in the trading of Stefan Diggs, which happened two years ago on March the 16th. And, and uh, um, when these, you know, when a big trade like that happens, it's always a question of who won it, who didn't win it, uh, who got the better deal. And I remember when the deal happened and, it was Courtney Cronin who did a piece on it. And now the Bears beat writer on ESPN, traitor. But uh, but uh, she said, uh, she wrote that the, the Vikings won the trade because, and her argument was because they got four draft picks. And I remember reading that and saying, well, so what? Uh, I think the, the Bills won the trade because they got Stephon Diggs. Diggs. We just got some, we just got some, some uh, draft picks. We don't know what those draft draft picks are going to turn into. And, uh, and, but two years later, I think it's time where we can actually start to, to uh, actually make a call on, on this trade, this very important trade in recent Vikings history. Uh, and I hated to see Diggs go because, 
you know, you can remember, remember David, that whole, from the time we traded Randy Moss, Vikings fans have been kind of like uh-huh. spoiled, right? We right. had Chris Carter and Jake Reed uh, in the nineties. And then we had Randy Moss in the late nineties. And then we had him through the early two thousands. Then we trade him and traded him. And then in 2005, and then, we went through kind of a wide receiver walking through the wide receiver wilderness where we didn't couldn't get that number one guy anymore. You know, we had we were, we drafted Troy Williamson. We uh, you know we brought in free agents like like um, Bernard Berrien and uh, and um, what's his face from Green Bay? Why can't I remember his name? Uh, <laughs> Greg Jennings. Jennings. Yeah. And 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 you know, and then other stiffs like like. Bobby Wayne and Robert Ferguson and all that, and you tr- you you drafted Sidney Rose and we, Sidney Rice. Uh, we you know, we did well with Percy Harvin, but he wasn't really your typical wide receiver. He was kind of like Debo Samuel before there was Debo Samuel. Anyway, uh, so we, we finally we kind of lucked out because we drafted Digsy in the fifth round, and he became like a Pro Bowl player. Plus, we gotten we hit the lottery with Adam Thielen too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, undrafted free agent, and he became a Pro Bowl player. So. Trading digs was a real bummer. Like, what would we get back from him? And what we got back from him was, yeah, Justin Jefferson. But the other draft picks were that we ended up getting the players we ended up getting from him were, and they're pictured here: were Cameron Bynum, uh, Kenny Willickus, um, uh, Davidson, the tight end, and then Janarius Robinson. And I think now it's time where we can kind of uh, take stock of this trade. I think. I still think that the Bills have won the trade, but it's getting a lot closer because the Bills, they got – Stefan Diggs gave them exactly what they wanted. A number one receiver made the offense complete. They've been one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL since they got them and got to an AFC championship game and you know made the playoffs two straight years, whereas the Vikings have not made the playoffs either year. But if you look at – Production-wise, like Diggsy and J- JJ are kind of pretty much even Steven, right? Like uh, Diggsy has more catches, but not significantly more. Yardage-wise, they're about the same. Uh, what Yardage-wise, Jefferson has had more passing yardage uh, gained. And touchdowns, I think they're, they're exactly even. Well, and JJ's been a pro bowler. JJ's been a pro bowler. So uh, I think one-on-one between the two of them, uh, it's almost even as far as there's did. there's your stats. Yeah, I think you know the the Vikings just drafting Justin Jefferson have have come pretty close to making this a, a trade that's good for both teams. But what's really going to tip the this trade in the Vikings' favor long term is what those other four players that they drafted from mm-hmm. the Diggs Diggs trade do. And really, it all comes down to, okay, so what do Bynum, uh, Willikus, Robinson, and Davidson end up producing as Vikings that will tip the, the, the trade in the Vikings' favor? And I think now, after we've seen a couple of uh, years or so, that, that the Vikings might be, if things go right, the Vikings might actually be able to say they won this trade. Uh, mm-hmm. Because if you, you know, I look at Cameron Bynum, the, didn't get to play a lot last year, but when he did play, he showed very good uh, ball uh, intelligence as a player and a guy who could make plays. And he's going to be a starting safety, I believe, this year opposite of Harrison Smith. So you're going to get mm-hmm. significant playing time out of him. Uh, and then Kenny Willickis, a guy, he barely got on the field, but when he did, you saw him 
creating a lot of havoc in the Baltimore game and in the Chicago, the last game against the Bears in the season finale. Now, he played some other games where he wasn't a factor, this one. but he's a, yeah, he's a guy that uh, in this new system, I don't know what his role is going to be, but if he plays a significant amount of snaps uh, and he keeps on getting better like he did between his rookie year and his second year, if you've got Bynum being a contributor and Kenny Willickis being a, a solid contributor and Justin Jefferson keeps on doing what he's doing and even getting a little bit better – I think that the Vikings can say that they won, know, the they, they won the trade because they got three, one fantastic player and two pretty solid players out of that. And then who knows, whatever you get from Davidson and, and Robinson is like extra gravy from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that these kind of trades are, you're, when you're giving up an established player like Stefan Diggs, always very risky for draft picks. Again, you don't know what the draft picks are going to end, end up being. But I think that after two years, we can say that the Vikings have made out made out pretty well in the trade, and uh, it doesn't always work out that way, right? So, uh, well, we got people arguing in the in the comments about trading Jefferson and value of Kirk Cousins and whether it's coaches or not, folks. We just want the Vikings to win. Jefferson was not one of the people that was available for trade discussions this year. He will be a Viking for quite a while. Um, if you got to figure out how the timeline is going to work, Justin Jefferson, when he comes into extension range, of course, he'll get his fifth-year option. But when he comes into extension range, Kirk Cousins should be off the books by then, and we should have a rookie quarterback. That will make up the difference and allow the Vikings to keep Justin Jefferson, who, if he keeps this up, is on a Hall of Fame trajectory. And you want to keep Hall of Fame wide receivers, if at all possible. That's the way the system works. You want to keep the stars. J.J. is going to be expensive. Yes, he's going to break the bank. With what's going on in the wide receiver market today, where you got people trading all sorts of trades and giving all sorts of ungodly money. Yes, that is the case. But the cap is going up everywhere. So it depends on how you want to pay it. Believe me, Justin Jefferson improves, keeps improving like he has the first two years. He's only played two. If he keeps that up, folks, I want to pay him. Mm -hmm. I'll chip him money. He's that good. So, yes, we can do that. Find a rookie. By the time he gets there, Find a rookie quarterback, take advantage of that, and build around. Yes, yes, and yes. And it's always a, a balancing act with the roster building. Mm-hmm. David is, you know, timing. You know, some, you know, you know if certain guys are ready for their extensions. Who are you going to keep? Who you're not going to keep? And then a couple of years down the road, another crop of young players are due oh. for extensions, and then you've got to fit them in. And by then, hopefully, some of your older guys are ready to let go. <laughs> and that's where uh, you know, that, that Quazy comes into earning his extension. Yeah, if he can manage that. By all means, he needs to be extended. Yes, yes, and yes. Okay. Where are we at on? We did this. It's absolutely beautiful. Look at those numbers, people. They're elite. Absolutely elite. 
the best in the business. You don't want to lose that. And the last one you wanted to talk about was this dude. Ed Donatel. Yeah, well, it'll be, uh, I'm, uh, for Donatel, really looking forward to seeing what he can do with, now that we know that they got Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter are going to be playing for the Vikings in 2022 and being the pass rushing, the main pass rushing duo for these guys. Uh, I'm really interested to see particularly where he plays Daniil Hunter. Um, is Hunter your, one of your, like, I don't know. I see him as the opposite side of um, Smith. They're going to play outside linebacker slash defensive end, depending on what the formation is. Both of them are coming off the field. That's their spots. Yeah, and I think you can. I, I don't. Yeah, does it really even matter with the like what position you name Daniel Hunter or Smith at this point? Because nope, they're they're going to be doing what they do, which is rushing the quarterback, <laughs> right? And, and, I don't think Daniel Hunter is going to be going to be dropping back deep into coverage and a cover two or anything like that he's going to be getting after right rogers or and an outside linebacker in a in a three four anyways isn't going deep anyhow they're covering flats they're covering the flat behind them and they're covering to the right and the left for screens that's that's all their coverage stuff um so and if he thought if donatel thought Zedarius Smith was so good and could be Rover. Can you imagine what he thinks of Daniil Hunter, who I think is better than Zedarius Smith? You know, or at least equal? Can you imagine having two, quote, Rovers that he can mess with, you know, that he could use? That's that's why that's why I love the Zedarius Smith signing and the and the making of Daniil Hunter happy. And, you know, getting his money this year. Now, come on, next year we might face a, a walkout because he's not paid enough. And uh, But until then, we're talking about this year. I think this is going to be fantastic. But I'm also uh, really interested to see what Donatel and what the defense does for, for guys like 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 James Lynch is one person that sticks out of my mind because he – he played at a 3-4 in Baylor. He was a 3-4 defensive end at Baylor and a very, very good one. He was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year the year he got drafted. Uh, and uh, But, again, he's been one of those guys brought along pretty slowly under the Zimmer regime. Maybe the 4-3 defense wasn't really the best one for him. Uh, he was because he was always stuck in, in the interior. Uh, so he's a guy intrigued to see where they play him, how much they use him, what kind of an impact he can have in his third year where he should start really starting to shine. If he's, if he's got the talent that, that, uh, he showed at times again, Kenny Willekes is another guy, young guy, uh, he, he with us, not maybe running the four, three doesn't seem like he's got uh, position right now, uh, but what are they going to do with him? Are they going to do anything with him? Janarius Robinson, another guy, a freakish athlete who never really produced much at Florida State. 
on the injured reserve last year, but we know he's got arms like a, like a condor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, like, again, like what can Ed Donatelle, what can Mike Smith uh, do with that kind of talent? There's a lot of some, a lot of young guys here that uh, didn't get to show much under Mike Zimmer's defense. Cause he liked, he leaned on the, on the, on the vets. I don't know Donatel and talking about how he likes to connect with younger players. Maybe he'll be able to be more willing to use some of the younger guys, try them in different things and, and maybe put them in positions in to succeed where that Mike Zimmer did not do because he didn't trust the younger guys. Um, so a lot of, a lot of unknowns right now with the Vikings defense with with Donatel, but I think a lot of it, potential excitement and ability for him to bring out the best out of a lot of the younger players as well. And uh, th- that's going to be something that'll be really interesting to watch, particularly in preseason when a lot of those guys, Willikus Robinson, mm-hmm. uh, Patrick Jones, the second, yes. uh, we'll, we'll get, to that they'll too. get a lot, they'll get a lot more playing time in the preseason and we'll be able to see maybe a bit of whether they can, they've got some, they're going to be showing more in 2022 than they, they did last year. Right, and whether they're edge guys um, in the system or whether they move into the five-technique range and go into that rotation. Yeah, I I very, very, very much look forward to that. Um, So we'll see. That brings us to the end of the show. Uh, We have an argument going, the same old argument about Kirk and Cousins and the defense going in the comments. It can continue back on Twitter or Facebook or wherever you'd like to continue it. It's been hashed out ad nauseum again and again and again and again, day after day in the Twitter sphere, blogosphere, Viking sphere. Uh, feel will never be resolved. resolved. It's not going to be resolved. Um, but that's our show. We, we've given you a wrap up of how, with the Kirk Cousins extension, that actually broke open the dam so the Vikings could do more free agents beyond the defensive tackle and linebacker they did for the second year in a row. Um, it's opened up. we got Darius Smith, our biggest splash player of free agency so far. We've added a few filler pieces and depth pieces. And as Doogie says, expect another signing early this week. <coughs> we look back at the Diggs trade. Who's won that? Right now, it's pretty even, but if players pan out on the Vikings side, the Vikings easily can say they win. So, happy with that. Now we go into next week. You know, week three of free agency. Something's going to happen. The team still needs to fill out a lot of positions. They have only, I think it's 60-some-odd players on the contract they got to get to uh, in the 90s, low well, 90s, 92, something like that. So expect more moves, expect more low-end guys just to fill in and be camp bodies and stuff like that. And uh, we're going to start looking at the draft coming up as well. So more of that. Any last words there, Aaron? Um. Just like you said, next week, uh, I, I think as we get into what I guess you'd call the second phase of free agency, I actually think that this is the, the area where, again, you can get better value for money. Um, maybe you're not going to get the, <clears throat> like, say, you, 
like maybe you you're not going to get the, the the big name guys have have, have gone uh, the big deals have already occurred but uh, the Vikings can make some of those Chand and Sullivan more of those Chand and Sullivan signings that uh, fill a position of need mm-hmm. at a reasonable price and the guy ends up being a surprise for you like I always bring him up I think every year but like Tom Johnson mm-hmm. in 2014 when we Good. signed that guy nobody had any I. I'd be like, who is he? Oh, he played for the Saints? Really? I'd never really heard of him. He ended up being one of the best defensive linemen, one of our best defensive linemen the, the whole time he was with the Vikings. And we only signed him, I think, for it was like it was like peanuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that those are the kind of signings that you get in the second and third wave of free agency. And so that signing that Doogie Wolfson's talking about next week that might not seem like a big deal then, it might end up being a big deal in October of 2022 when that player is playing a major role for the Vikings that we didn't expect. Yep, or developed into one that sticks with the team for a few years. You never know. You mm-hmm. never know. Yep. Uh, with that, like, subscribe, ring the bell. Of course, if you haven't already, and to Evil to Hope, yes, we do live draft coverage from start to finish all three days. It is quite extensive. We have many guests, all virtually all the major beat writers from Minneapolis will be joining us, usually on day three. We have guests, though, on days one, two, and three. Day two will be the live draft party at Lake Monster Brewing home of the best beer in Minnesota, and home of great memories and good times. Until then, what do we say? Skull Vikings! Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best... Vikings content can be found and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.